0: welcome to our online service today and again happy father's day if your father is living out hope you'll do all you can to honor him today if your father has passed uh, recently particularly in the past year i hope you will know the nearness of a heavenly father who has revealed himself to be the father of the fatherless thank you again for joining us today Our series this year is titled, One Story. We're looking at the overarching theme of God's great plan of redemption for His people found in Old and New Testament. We're seeing the unity of the 66 books of the Bible, 39 in the old, 27 in the new, and seeing how each part of Scripture contributes to revealing God's great plan for His people. Last week, we looked at the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, and that lengthy book, 52 chapters, he lamented the destruction coming upon Jerusalem for the sins of God's people. This week, our our book is scheduled to be the book of Lamentations, also associated with Jeremiah. I'm just going to very briefly touch on the book of Lamentations. Some of you will study it more fully in your small groups, but I'd like to deal with a specific topic today And uh, before we do that, just want to say a couple things about the book of Lamentations. First of all, and you heard the reading um, that our two youth interns did just a moment ago, the first in the book of Lamentations that Grace read, there is a time to lament. Lament is a significant category in Scripture. If you read through the book of Psalms, uh, scholars, commentators say that the largest category of Psalms is the category of the Lament Psalms. And uh, the book of Lamentations consists of five different lament poems. Uh, lament is common in Scripture. But the other thing we saw in the passage that Grace read a moment ago is that lament can turn to hope because of who God is. And then we again we find these beautiful words in Lamentations 3. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. Now again, you'll study that more deeply if you're continuing in your small groups this summer, but I want to shift gears and talk about a very specific topic today, and that is lamenting racism. Now, Some may wonder, why are we, we changing? You haven't changed from any of the book studies, the, the book overviews that we've done all this year. I hope that I'm responding today to the Prompting the leading of the Holy Spirit I know that this topic is on the minds of many many in our church today and I plan to approach the topic of racism using Scripture uh, this will not be a message that is political in any way this is not a liberal or a conservative uh, issue I'm not going to talk about policy issues of local, state, or federal government. I know there are important issues surrounding those things. I'm really not qualified to address them myself. I'm not even going to use the words social justice, simply because I think the term means so many different things to so many different people. I want to focus today on God's Word, Scripture, with one very simple goal. That is our sanctification. Jesus changes his people with the washing of water by his word. That's what we call sanctification, God's work in our lives. Racism is a heart sin. It's a sin of the human heart. And when it comes to removing heart sin, the Holy Spirit holds the sharpest scalpel. He is the divine surgeon who alone can remove the sin of the human heart, and he uses a mighty two-edged sword called the Word of God. The writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 4 and verse 12 tells us, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints, and marrow, and is able to discern the thoughts and intents Of the heart my prayer today is that that's what the Holy Spirit will do in each of our lives he will penetrate to the very inner thoughts and motivations and intents of our hearts and where there's a need for heart surgery he'll do the heart surgery so would you join me please as we pray about his work in each of our lives today father we come again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ We pray as King David did in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to shine your light upon us, to do your work in us, to illumine the truth of your word, that you would be glorified in and through our lives. And we ask this again in the great name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. The Scripture teaches us that there is one body of Christ, just one, made up of believers of many races. Ephesians chapter 2 is one of the most important chapters of the Bible for understanding what we often refer to in our church as the gospel the message of Jesus' salvation. In fact, the two verses that I think are probably heard as often in our church as any other the two verses in the Bible are the two that uh, Jason quoted at the very beginning of the service, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. Our salvation is provided by the death of Jesus on the cross. And Ephesians chapter two verses one through ten is a is a fantastic place to study the uh, the message of the gospel, but Ephesians chapter two goes on, and in Ephesians two verses eleven through twenty two, we see a deeper work that the gospel does in breaking down walls that divide people from different ethnicities and races. Alan. Wellso says that in the time of the Apostle Paul, in the time the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, there was just a very small colony of Jews in Ephesus, but there were about 50,000 people there consisting of Greeks, Persians, Romans, Lydians, Syrians. A few of them, just a few of them proselytes to Judaism. They had become followers of Judaism and were considered by many to be second-class Jews. Jews. But the gospel does something powerful, and the Apostle Paul writes about it in Ephesians 2 verses 13 and 14. We see these words, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, he's speaking of those who are not Jewish, those who were Persians or Romans or Lydians or Syrians, those who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility." Now that dividing wall of hostility I think really uh, can be um, considered two ways. Certainly the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross broke down a dividing wall between humanity and God so that through our faith in him we can come into his very presence. But it also breaks down a dividing wall of hostility between races, between people. I say that because that is an important part of the context of the second half of Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 18 and 19 go on to say, Through him, that is through Christ, we both, Jew and Gentile, all races, have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God. A very important word in the book of Ephesians is the word one. We have access through Christ in one spirit, same Holy Spirit, to the Father. Paul the Apostle goes on to write in chapters, chapter 4 and verse 4 there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. The great revelation Paul the Apostle is bringing here is that through the gospel, people from very, very different racial backgrounds are now one body. There's not a Jewish body of Christ and a Gentile body of Christ and a A white body and a black body and a Latino body and a multicultural body. There's just one body of Christ. There may be and are many uh, local church expressions, but one body of Christ, the Big C Church. And when it comes to racial tension, I think the Scripture, particularly this section of the book of Ephesians, gives us some important insight. Over the last three or four weeks, I have um, been listening a lot to learn about issues of race. I think it's an important time to do that. One of the most important things uh, I learned from was a webinar done by our denomination, the EPC, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, um, which included some African-American pastors in our denomination. And um, one of them, uh, Rufus Smith, who is the pastor at Hope Church in Memphis, I think it's the largest church uh, in our denomination, um, said something that really struck with me. Uh, Rufus said, when we lean into the Jewish-Gentile tension of the Scripture, such as we see in Ephesians 2, we find a biblical blueprint for racial tension today. And as he so wisely said, the Holy Spirit has handled these issues before. There's one body of Christ made up of believers of many races. Number two, as one body, we are all called to participate in being the answer to Jesus' prayer. And when I say Jesus' prayer, I'm talking about the prayer that we find in John chapter 2, verses uh, 20 through 23. If you guys can advance that. I do not ask for these only, Jesus prays. He's praying for his disciples, but he's not only praying for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one. There's that word again. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that may, we, they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you love me. Again, Not the Jewish one body or the the one Roman body or the one Ethiopian body, but one. We can have and celebrate our differences, but Christ's body is one. Now, what is this glory? When Jesus says, the glory that you've given me, I've given to them so that they may be one, even as we are one. I think it's a reference to the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence, the one Spirit that's in the one body of Christ. I think it is his work to make us one as he pours out the love of Christ upon us. We're to seek to participate with him in this. We're to be involved in his work of making his body one. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3 that we are to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We're to strive for this. We're to work with the Holy Spirit in this. There's one body of Christ made up of believers of many races. And as one body, we're called to be the answer to Jesus' prayer. And third, as one body, we're called to support the other members of the body in their pain and in their suffering. Writing to the church at Corinth, we read these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, also written by the Apostle Paul. He says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, white or black, or brown, whatever the race may be, by one Spirit we're baptized into one body and we're all made to drink of one Spirit. Different races, one Holy Spirit making us one. And then note these words in verse 26 of that chapter. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now here's why I'm dealing with this topic today. This is a time when our black brothers and sisters, and I'm speaking about Christians, uh, focusing on believers, using the template of Scripture that we have to speak to and about believers. This is a time when our black brothers and sisters have told us that they are suffering. They are mourning. They are lamenting. And one of the cries of predominantly black church leaders, particularly in our own area here, to other pastors in predominantly white churches is this, please stand with us. Please understand our pain. And so I've been trying to do a little more of that. I know many of you have too, And today, I simply want to recommend some things that you and I can do to battle the heart sin of racism, to work with the Holy Spirit in being the answer to Jesus' prayer for greater unity and oneness of the entire body of Christ, and to suffer with the members of His body who tell us they're particularly suffering at this point in time and would really appreciate our seeking to understand why. And so I want to suggest a few things. Number one, very simple. Listen. Listen to a friend from another race with the willingness to see things from another's point of view. It is a very wise person who can listen and learn from another person's experience or perspective from their point of view Even when it may be uncomfortable, may be challenging, it's extremely helpful to hear from the perspective of another. Uh, When this message is over today, we will have an interview posted, an interview I did with a black friend, a pastor in town, Tejado Hanshell. He told me before the interview, he said, some of the things uh, I'm going to say may make some people uncomfortable. I said, that's okay. Uh, We're doing this to learn. Uh, for those who uh, are not as familiar with your perspective and background, we're doing this to to be educated, to learn. That's okay. Very helpful to learn from someone whose perspective is different. Some years ago, when uh, there were all kinds of questions circulating in the news around issues of immigration, I found it helpful to go to a Hispanic friend, a strong believer in our church, and say, Help me understand this from your perspective. Listen, be willing to listen with humility. If we only listen to the things we already know and agree with, what are we ever going to learn? Listen with humility. This is what James tells us to do. He says, know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, I am, I am fully aware that there are many complex racial issues in our country involving Hispanics, uh, Asians, and others. I'm focusing today on our African-American brothers and sisters because I think they have a unique history in the United States of America. It dates back to what I think Condoleezza Rice called the birth defect of America, slavery. The long arm of racism extended, however, through history beyond that time, continuing long after the Emancipation Proclamation with Jim Crow laws and various laws and practices that treated blacks as inferior people. So let's listen to their pain. Listen with humility. And I encourage you to listen without the buts. What I mean by that is when you're listening to a friend share why current events have been particularly painful for them, opening up an old wound, don't be quick to sidetrack the conversation. Don't be quick to say, but don't you think all the looting and arson is is wrong? Of course I think that's wrong. You can't pursue biblical justice by doing unjust things like that. But let's not get distracted by peripheral issues, side issues, other issues that keep us from listening to the heart cry of brothers and sisters who want us to learn something in this hour. Others are saying, but don't you think we have to support our police, our law enforcement officers? Of course we do. Of course we do. Where would we be without the men and women in law enforcement who put their lives at risk and are willing to lay down their lives to protect us people of all colors? How I praise God for the many law enforcement personnel in our church because of the evil actions of some the many, the jobs of the many good have been made much more difficult. But that's not the issue that I want us to focus on now. I want us to listen to our brothers and sisters who tell us that they are suffering, they've been suffering, they've been suffering a long time, and it's time for us to listen and learn about the pain that's come from a very long history of racial bias. And I really thought I understood all this pretty well. Because ever since I graduated from college and moved to Winston-Salem, I've had at any time uh, at least a few black friends in my early years with uh, an interdenominational uh, parachurch Christian fellowship. There was a rich racial diversity and over the years I've had black pastor friends and when I did my sabbatical in 2014 Beth and I majored on visiting churches when We were in town, since we couldn't come to our our home church at River Oaks, we majored on the east side of Interstate 52. And I've been part of a prayer group with um, white and black pastors and uh, one Hispanic pastor for a little over 10 years now. Those have been valuable. And I I really thought I understood things pretty well. I've learned in the last four weeks there was much I did not understand or know about the suffering of our black brothers and sisters, African Americans in our country. For example, I've heard a number of people refer to uh, the talk that parents have, black parents have, African American parents have with their children when they're young. I thought the talk always had to do about you know the facts of life. But the talk that I've heard about is the talk about the fact. That you're telling your children, because you're black, things are different in the world. Things are different in the culture. You have to act differently to gain respect in many situations. Heard moms particularly express concerns for their sons as they are becoming young men and warning them, don't you ever play with a toy gun even a water gun in the front yard. I've heard the fears of these moms as they express their, their fear for their sons. I've heard others talk about the look. The look when you as a black person are going to a swimming pool it's mostly white folks or when you walk into a store and the eyes of The white clerks are particularly on you. Suspicious look. I've been hearing these things and realizing there's a lot I didn't know about. And the call of Scripture is when one member suffers, I'll suffer. Hear the suffering. And I think this is a time in our history for us to do that. I I frankly, I think God is doing something right now in this nation. Um... I think he's doing a work of his Holy Spirit. I, I often see and interpret things, I guess, through a lens of a longing to see a, a, a revival, a great work of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps it's the case that God is saying, first, I want my church to be in greater oneness before I pour out my Spirit in the measure that so many long to see. And again, you may hear some things in the interview that will, that, uh, will be posted right after this message with uh, Bishop Tejado Hanschel that will take this a bit further. But be willing to listen even when it's uncomfortable. Number two, study Scripture. There's so much in Scripture about racial tension. There's the Jewish-Gentile blueprint for racial healing that is so critically important. If you guys can be following along with that, great. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, chapter 3, chapter 4, the Gospels is filled with this. When Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, do you know that he was addressing, among other things, racial bias that prevents people from loving our neighbor as we love ourselves? The Gospels of Jesus, the book of Acts, the Letters of the Apostle Paul, the all-nations, promises and prophecies in the Old Testament, the book of Revelation, chapter 7 and verse 9, when around the throne we see people from all tribes, tongues, nations. We pray, pray that for River Oaks, that we will be increasingly a Revelation 7-9 church that looks more like heaven's going to look. Study Scripture. Study the biblical teaching on justice and there's a lot of it particularly in the old testament the uh, Hebrew word for justice is found literally hundreds of times in the Old Testament. Psalm 82 and verse 3, give justice to the weak and the fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. I mentioned last week in Jeremiah, one of my favorite verses, two of my favorite verses in Jeremiah, let not the, chapter 9 and verse 23 and 24, let not, not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. In Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Justice is just treatment of others, with particular emphasis in Scripture on the vulnerable and hurting. The orphan, the fatherless, the poor, the widow, the alien, stranger, the vulnerable. Jesus in the New Testament was talking to the scribes and Pharisees about their Uh, meticulous adherence to minor points of the law when he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and uh, cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. Jesus considers justice, just treatment of other people, a weighty matter, weighty matter of the law. Study Jesus' great prayer for unity in John 17. It's so beautiful. We looked at a few verses from it before. And then study Jesus' mandate. Jesus' great mandate is the love mandate. In John chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all people will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Jesus' mandate leaves no room whatsoever for racism in a believer's heart. What is racism? I think think we we might define racism this way. The belief that one's race is superior to another's, and it's expressed by treating someone of a different race differently because of a perceived inferior status. Now, the Apostle Paul strongly dismantles racism in Galatians 3 and verse 29, when he says so clearly, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one. In Christ, there is complete equality regardless of race. He does away with any thought of racism for the Christian. He's not saying here in Galatians 3.29, when he says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, you're all one in Christ. He's not saying that the gospel does away with our differences, not at all. Certainly hope we understand there are differences between male and female. But he's saying we're completely equal in Christ. Even though we're different, It's not at all helpful to say to someone of another race, well, I'm colorblind, I'm colorblind. That's kind of like saying, I don't appreciate what you may experience because of a different history because of the color of your skin. But it's helpful to know that we are equal in Christ. The gospel does away with any hint of of racism and we understand the differences. We understand, appreciate, value, even celebrate the differences that people have who are part of the one body and have a different color of skin. Racism is a hard issue. And in saying that, I am not saying that there are not significant systemic expressions or structural expressions of racism and that there have not been in history. I'm not saying that at all. I know there have been many. But today I'm focusing on the heart, particularly the hearts of believers, those who would say, I know or I want to know and follow Jesus Christ as my Lord. Racism is a heart issue, and the Holy Spirit is the great heart surgeon. He holds the sharpest scalpel. He alone can apply the sharp scalpel of God's word to the hard issue of racism. It seems to me that racism comes in three forms. There is overt racism. That is outward and seen. The person who's racist, proud of it. I hope we don't have and never have any of that in our church. Unless someone like that comes to repent and turn to the Lord. Overt racism. I think more common is covert racism. This is racism in the heart that is, it is not openly acknowledged or displayed. But the person knows it's there. And doesn't see it as wrong, it is comfortable keeping it. Though they keep it hidden. They only make the racist comments to people with whom they think they might be received. That's a sin the Holy Spirit needs to deal with. But there's a third type of racism that I think we could call hidden heart racism. This is racism that is so subtle, we may not know we have it. Maybe a product of our upbringing or influence, uh, family members or friends as we grew up. This is the kind of racism where we, we react differently when someone from another race enters the room. We act differently, we feel differently when someone from another race passes us on the sidewalk. Now, the Pharisees in Jesus' time, I think they were people who who had all three forms. And Jesus certainly deals with all three. But Jesus especially addresses in his Sermon on the Mount the hidden heart sin. That's where in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3, he's He says to those who are are proud that, hey, I haven't committed adultery, I haven't committed murder. He says, if you're lusting in your heart, you're committing the sin of adultery. If you hate your brother, you're committing the sin of murder. I think we could lump racism under the hatred category. And it's something I think Jesus wants to deal with. In closing, let me just say this to you because I want to close with some prayer inviting the Holy Spirit, the great heart surgeon to deal with these things in our lives today. To fulfill our 2025 vision and that is to be a church that more fully reflects the diversity of the entire body of Christ particularly in our own area. a Revelation 7 verse 9 church. We're going to need the members, people of our church, freed from all three types, even the hidden heart type of racism. We're going to need a deeper, greater work of the Holy Spirit. More importantly, though, than fulfilling our own vision, it's fulfilling Jesus' prayer for the oneness of His body. And so today, I'd like to ask you to join me right now in inviting the Holy Spirit to do some heart surgery where it's needed, to take the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, and to do what's needed. I'm going to pray the words of Ephesians as we do that, but would you join me now as we invite him to work in us in prayer? Father, we come to you today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray again the prayer of Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Know me. Try my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Holy Spirit, would you work in us individually? Would you work in our church? I pray that you would break the back of any sin of racism, I pray that you would bring it from darkness into the light where it's in our hearts. Bring it forth that we might repent of it. Lord, we repent of any trace of it in our church. Prepare us to be a place where people of every skin color and racial and ethnic background can come and know they are loved and part of the one body your one body. Be glorified in the work you do in us, Lord. May we fulfill your desire for your body in the words of the Apostle Paul. May we walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. May we be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit May he be glorified in our lives and in our church.